One of the greatest obstacles to crafting health and wellness is identifying and controlling inflammation. It's at the core of all complex and chronic diseases, and it's the driving mechanism that underlies the most common symptoms that people like you struggle to overcome. Join us as we explore cutting-edge science and research to give you the information and tools you need to create the quality of life you want and deserve. And now, here is the host of Inflammation Nation, Dr. Stephen Noseworthy. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. We're still talking about the immune system and why it's a critical part of the functional hierarchy of health. And if this is the very first episode that you've jumped into on the Inflammation Nation podcast, podcast, first of all, let me welcome you. Let me thank you for dropping by. For the rest of you who've been listening for a while now, seriously, like a huge thank you to you for making this podcast a, a success. We're growing. We're reaching new people every single month. And I think it's because of you. So thank you for subscribing and thank you for sharing the podcast with the people that you know and love. So there's still a lot more to come and a, a lot more to talk about. And I'll warn you that today's episode is probably going to be a little bit longer and maybe a little bit more challenging in content, but I'm going to do my very best to make things understandable for you. And just to make sure any new listeners are up to speed on this idea of, of a functional hierarchy of health, let me explain what that is all about. Because you have to understand that every single system in your body is linked to all of the other systems, either directly or indirectly. And you might want to go back to episode two where I introduced the concept of what's called the neuroendocrine immune supersystem. This is a term that's been in medical research since about the mid to late 1990s. And it describes how your brain, your hormones, and your immune system work together to control and modulate every aspect of your health. And these three core systems are so interlinked that you really can't separate them, at least not from a practical or from a functional standpoint. So I'll, while we could do a podcast series just on the brain or just on the hormones or just on the immune system as like standalone pieces, the truth is that you can't have a sensible conversation about the brain without talking about how it affects and is affected by your hormones or your immune system and vice versa. And you can spin that statement around either way to say we can't have a sensible conversation about hormones without talking about the brain and talking about the immune system. You guys get the, the point because either way, no matter how you look at that, you're going to end up talking about all of it because in reality, these are just simply facets or aspects of the same thing. And that same thing is in essence, your central command center or your master control system. So I don't care if you have a simple blood sugar problem or a complex multi-system poly autoimmunity. <laughs> you have an issue with integration at the level of the neuroendocrine immune supersystem. In other words, if you have multiple symptoms coming from multiple systems, then you have a neuroendocrine immune supersystem problem. And so the functional hierarchy of health is a systematic way to look at and to evaluate your most fundamental system that governs health, wellness, and your quality of life. And that's why we're working our way through in, in this particular series, or that's what we're working through in this particular series. And now we're talking about the immune system. And so if you're new to the podcast, please go back to episode two, then come back and start with 
the first episode in this particular series, The Functional Hierarchy of Health, and that, I think, was episode 115. All right, so last time we talked about the CBC and the differential, right? That's a standard test that doctors run literally almost all the time. And it, it includes markers for red blood cells that tell us about things like anemia states, and also the white blood cells that tell us about the potential for infection or some kind of immune activation or even suppression. And while there are many ways the white blood cell panel can play out, we focused on the common problem of chronic viruses. And remember that the question is not, do you have a viral load? You do, and it's a viral load that you picked up mainly in childhood. So from a statistical point of view, it's nearly certain that you have one or more viruses hiding in your body at any given moment that, that could seize the opportunity to reactivate, to become active, and to do something to affect your immune system. And that can be a minor thing for some people, and it can be a really, really huge thing for others. And we focused on common chronic viruses like Epstein-Barr virus, cytomegalovirus, human herpes virus 6, we talked about how low or low normal white blood cells with an increase in the percentage of lymphocytes suggest that there's a problem with reactivated viruses and that the next step would be to test for specific viruses, perhaps starting with the three that I just mentioned. And obviously there are more that you could put on the list. And one more point to reiterate, I think I ended with this on the last episode, is that we're now seeing evidence in the literature that people who suffer from long covid are more likely to have one or more of those viruses that I just mentioned in their system when they get COVID, or I should say coronavirus. And this is at least at least part of why long COVID happens, right? It's the pre-existing immunological terrain that's in place when they get their coronavirus infection. So today we're going to go one level deeper, and we're going to talk about subsets of lymphocytes. So the way to look at this is in a hierarchical sense. Um, we start with the CBC that includes red blood cells and white blood cells. Then we focus on the white blood cells and we look at a breakdown of the different subtypes of white blood cells. That's called the differential. And the purpose of this series, for this series, we're focusing just on the lymphocyte subset of your white blood cells. And, and going one level deeper means that there are subtypes of lymphocytes, which are a subtype of white blood cells. So I want you to think of Russian nesting dolls. And if you don't know what they are, just Google it, you know, Google images, and you'll understand what, what I'm talking about right away. But if you know what Russian nesting dolls are, you have one very large doll inside of which sits a slightly smaller doll inside of which sits an even smaller doll and so on and so on until we get to the smallest doll that sits inside all the other dolls. And, and this is where we can make it very complicated or not, but let me connect this to something that you're likely to have come in contact with already, particularly if you have an autoimmunity, particularly if perhaps you have Hashimoto's and you've been out listening to podcasts and reading websites and blogs or, you know, attending summits. And that thing that you're most likely to have come in contact with as it relates to the topic today is something that we call the TH1 TH2 balance. Now it is, it is more complicated than what I'm going to show you today, but for many years, researchers have tried to categorize different types of diseases as either being TH1 dominant or TH2 dominant. And that basically means that the immune system has shifted 
in such a direction as part of abnormal function, I should say. So the immune system has shifted in, in one direction to either say that the Th1 system is active, more active than it should be, or the Th2 system is. And so the Th1 system is what we commonly call your innate immune system, and the Th2 system is what we call the adaptive immune system. You may hear other terms, like Th1 is what's called cell-mediated immunity, and Th2 is also called humoral immunity. Or you might hear that Th1 is your antiviral and your anti-cancer system, while Th2 is going to defend you against things like parasites or even certain types of bacterial infections. And all of these statements are true. They're just different ways to say essentially the same thing, but they're very kind of black and white. It's very simplistic, at least from the perspective of where we are now. Now, 15 years ago, when the concept of Th1, Th2 dominance became a topic of a lot of research and it started to filter into clinical practice. That was as detailed as we could get at that point. And it was revolutionary to be honest, at least from a clinical standpoint. But, and, and I, I'm trying not to make this super complicated, but you know, we've been talking about hierarchy and subsets and the idea of these rushing nesting dolls where one thing sits inside of another or one type of cell is a subset of another type of cell, which itself is a subset of an, another type of cell. And so the Th1 and Th2 systems are subsets of what we call CD4 cells. And CD4 cells are subtypes of what we call T helper cells. And T helper cells are a subtype of these things we call lymphocytes, which again are a subtype of white blood cells. <laughs> and this is why I try to invoke the imagery of Russian nesting dolls to help you picture how all of this works, how one fits inside another, which fits inside another, and so on. And so again, for, you know, clinically for about the last 15 years or so, we found it very useful to look at immune health from this perspective, especially when someone has a complex picture, especially when the, uh, when autoimmunity is involved or in circumstances where we have chronic uh, illness or inflammation associated perhaps with things like Lyme disease or um, toxicity from black mold exposure, just to give you a couple of examples. Now, this level of detail is not necessary, perhaps, for the average person to understand. It's not necessary for someone who doesn't have an active or dysregulated autoimmune problem or it's probably not relevant really for someone who doesn't have Lyme or mold. But the more complex someone's health challenges are, the more likely it is that we suspect or know that, uh, you know, let's say someone has Hashimoto's or ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease or MS or type 1 diabetes or rheumatoid arthritis, or they have active Lyme or active mold issues. The more likely we suspect or know that these are problems, the more detailed a breakdown of the immune system becomes quite helpful, if not absolutely necessary. And listen, these concepts that I'm walking you through in big picture form, it, honestly, they're hard enough for licensed healthcare practitioners who have been well-educated and been in practice for years. It's hard enough for them to grasp these ideas because none of us were trained this way. None of us, right? Most of what I'm sharing with you is new information from, say, the last 10 years or so of medical research. 
So in the interest of showing you the big picture, I'm, I'm simply going to recite <laughs> layer by layer the breakdown of your CBC, your complete blood count, down to the most granular layer of immune cell subtypes that we have so that you can understand that your, your immune system is way more than just what we see on your CBC, which is a test that your doctor is likely going to order almost every time he or she orders labs for you. And yes, the CBC is important, right? Don't, I don't want you to think that, well, there's more information that I should be getting. So the CBC is useless. It's not, it has its place for sure. But there are a, a couple of critical, critical things that we need to know. First of all is your white blood cell count as part of your CBC is like the largest Russian nesting doll in, inside which all of the others fit. The second thing to know is that we can use that white blood cell and differential, which is the next largest doll, to make some general insights into your immune system. Like if you have an acute or a chronic infection and, you know, we can get some general clues as to whether or not that might be a virus or a bacteria, perhaps even a parasite. So there is utility to that very large, very superficial picture. But third, it is quite possible that your white blood cell count and your lymphocyte percentage, like looking at that largest doll, that superficial level, everything can look completely normal. Yet underneath that, you can have a skew, a deviation, or some kind of imbalance in one or more of the subtypes, right? Now, how many of you have heard that your labs are normal, but you know something's not right, yet your white blood cell, your CBC count is normal? right? That's just the surface. That's all it is. So, and, and finally on things to know, coming back to this idea of Th1, Th2 dominance, this thing that has become so popular in the last 10 years or so, we now know that this in and of itself, when it, in the beginning, when it was revolutionary and it was a lot of detail for where we were, from where we are now looking back, it's a very simplistic approach, but this is the nature of science. You learn more and what we knew 10 years ago seems to be simplistic when at the time it was revolutionary. So it can be more complicated, right? And the only way to know if you have a TH1 or TH2 dominance or something else is to see a detailed breakdown of the subsystems of the subsystems of your immune system, right? Again, to give you a mental image, let's say you've got five Russian nesting dolls, one inside the other. And let's say the big mama doll, the largest is intact and not broken. There's nothing wrong with it. And by looking at the largest doll, you have no idea if any of the dolls that are inside that one and inside the other ones are missing or broken, right? In order to know that you have to open the biggest doll and take out the next largest one and see if it's intact or if it's missing. And then you have to take, open that one and take out the ones that are inside it and look to see if they're missing or if they are um, broken and so on and so on. And you have to work all your way all through the layers until you take out the smallest one and you know that you know that they're all okay or one or more is missing or broken. So without further ado, let me walk you through the layers and I'm going to beg your forgiveness right now for not giving too much detail because I don't think that will serve my purpose here. And my purpose is to show you that while your CBC with differential and your white blood cell count and lymphocyte count or percentage, while that detail is important, 
again, it's very superficial and it's an elementary analysis of your immune system. There is more knowledge to be gained for a deeper analysis, but not everyone needs that. And that's part of my point. Some people really need it. Some people don't. So in some cases, it's like, yeah, it's nice to know and it might affect what we do, but it may not be truly absolutely necessary. All right. So here we go. We start with the very top level, the big mama doll inside which everything else sits. And that is the CBC with the differential. And that breaks down into red blood cells and white blood cells. Your total white blood cells, the next largest doll in the series, are broken down in this thing called the differential into different types of white blood cells. And these are neutrophils, which, as I shared before, generally go after bacterial infections. Then there's lymphocytes, which generally go after viral infections. Then there's monocytes, which can be evolved pretty much with any infection, but are very specifically affected by Epstein-Barr virus. We have another subtype of lymphocytes called eosinophils, which are generally involved with what we might call true allergies and parasitic infections. And then we have finally basophils, the fifth subtype of lymphocytes, which are nonspecific but can be associated with parasitic infections, some bacterial infections, and perhaps even some viral or fungal infections. So we have some cells that tend to be very specific and some that tend to be very general. But we're not done because the lymphocyte subset or the lymphocyte portion of the differential, which is a, a breakdown of your white blood cells, can further be divided into T cells, B cells, and natural killer cells. And these natural killer cells, as the name might imply, are the soldiers of the immune system that are directly involved in, in killing infections of various kinds. The B cells are involved in identifying infections um, to cells like the natural killer cells so that they can find them and kill them effectively. So basically the B cell subset is a system that makes antibodies to help your immune system distinguish between you and not you. So it can tell the difference between you and your cells and perhaps a virus, for example. And then finally, we have a third lymphocyte subset, which is what we call T cells. And they're broken down into two more subsets. And those are called CD4 and CD8. Now, CD8 cells are known as cytotoxic T cells. And they act like these natural killer cells in that they directly kill infections. But the CD4 cell system has two more subsets. <laughs> And they, I, like I said, it, it can get really complicated. And this is where the Th1 and Th2 subsystems live. But the CD4 subsystem doesn't just break down into Th1 and Th2. And like I said before, the Th1 system is generally your antiviral anti-cancer system. Th2 is generally your antibody producing system that works with your B cells that I mentioned before. But in this CD4 subset of the T cell subset of the lymphocyte subset of the total white blood cells of the CBC with a differential has three other subsets or two other subsets, right? There's, so we have Th1, we have Th2, but there's also Th3 and Th17. Th3, again, if you've been out in the podcast world or reading blogs, for example, you've probably heard of Th3, what we call regulatory T cells. Um, these are used to control the balance between all of these different subsites so you actually can amount an effective immune response. Think of it like the conductor of an orchestra. 
And we have the TH17 system, which under normal conditions is a big part of your antifungal approach or system. Plus, it's the dominant system or part of your immune system that is involved in dealing with infections and immune balance in what we might describe as open spaces. So things like your gut or perhaps your sinuses, even your lungs and your bladder. But in this TH17 subset, when there's autoimmunity, there is quite often what we call an escape of the TH17 system where it gets overactive and out of control and actually contributes to the pathophysiology of having an autoimmune reaction. So you see, while there is potentially tremendous insight that we can gain from a simple CBC with a differential, there are some circumstances where we need to go way beyond that and we need to do a deep dive. And again, those are where there are much more complicated health issues where there is say uncontrolled autoimmunity or when we have significant inflammatory states arising from common things like Lyme or mold. And those are when it's obvious that we need a better breakdown than just what the CBC and differential tells us. But listen, this type of testing that I'm talking about has only been available for about two years. So don't expect your, your primary care doctor or even some of your specialists on the medical side to know what this testing is, to know that it's available, or certainly to know what to do with the results. And the good thing here is that not only do we now have the ability to do this deep dive into the immune system more than ever before, to help people like you with complex health issues to understand what your immune system is doing at the cellular level, we, we also have a fair amount of information that shows us how natural strategies can impact your immune system to leverage things like diet or lifestyle modification and nutritional supplementation to affect positive change to help you regain control and balance within your immune system. Now, why is that important? Because when you skew, S-K-E-W, when you skew or deviate your immune system, there's an automatic change in how your brain and your hormones work. Because this is how your neuroendocrine immune super system is designed and which is why I started this conversation by going back to that big picture to say, hey, it's all part of the same system and you can't push on one without having an impact on the others. They're connected. And so as I start to wrap this up, like you have to understand that systemic inflammation, chronic inflammation, immune imbalance or dysregulation is no small thing right? Chronic infections are no small thing. And shouldn't we know as much as we can about them to start creating the quality of life that you deserve? And, and let me end with this, right? The last few episodes, I've been talking about my lab shop. And that's a place where you can go and get access to the same tests that I run with my personal coaching clients. And you can get pretty much close or pretty close to direct to lab pricing on things like these chronic viral panels or leaky gut and stool testing. And now I have made available to you what's called the lymphocyte map from Cyrex Labs. And Cyrex Labs is one of the top labs in the world. And in fact, it's the first lab in the world that gives us this type of immune system breakdown that I've been talking about today. And I do use the lymphocyte map when necessary or when reasonable in my own complex cases to get a handle on what someone's immune system is doing far beyond that 
white blood cell as part of the CBC. And this allows me to look at um, making changes or tailoring someone's diet, lifestyle, and supplement strategy to match each individual person. Now, you can go to the lab shop. You can order this for yourself. You can use the link in the episode description. And once there, just take a look at the list of labs in the tier three section, and you'll see the Cyrex lymphocyte map. Again, as of right now, it's the most detailed immune system analysis that we can do. All right, next episode, we're going to move past the immune system to the next part of the functional hierarchy of health, and that's the gut. We're going to talk about things like food sensitivities, gut infections, dysbiosis, as well as perhaps the most popular topic in that domain, and that is leaky gut. All right, guys, we'll see you the next time on the Inflammation Nation.